Hello. Welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm here again today trying to explain two more concepts relevant to postcolonial studies, and those are authenticity and essentialism, and I've grouped them together because they are sort of interconnected. So first of all, talking about the questions of authenticity, any time that we claim the natives or the colonizers a certain kind of natural authenticity of a culture or a collectivity or of individual self, we are attributing to ourselves or our culture to some natural, authentic qualities. And the question of authenticity emerges even in normal conversations. I mean, you're going somewhere, you see an Indian restaurant and you ask your friend, is it authentic? And the moment you invoke that question, what you are arguing is or assuming is that there is a natural authentic Indian or Pakistani food and your comparison of this restaurant's food would be to that authentic. Most of the times uh, we assume that anything that is authentic is uh, actually the real thing and then we can plot things that are less less authentic against it, right, from a degree of removal from it. But deep down, we assume that there is something naturally authentic about a culture or about a person or about certain character traits and then make our judgments about the authenticity of it based on that assumption. Not realizing that in most of the times, the question of authenticity itself is discursively produced. Authenticity itself is culturally produced. Let's take some examples from politics. Now, if you're in Pakistan or in Afghanistan, and if you have encountered some Taliban literature or even other religious organizations literature, they always point to a certain authentic Muslim identity and they posit it as natural and has always been there. But what they are trying to do is retrieve what they think is the identity of an authentic Muslim and then take that as a stable, unchallenged assumption about questions of Muslim authentic identity and judge all the others against it. Now that retrieval itself is not natural. After all, it's textual. How do you find out how Muslims lived in eighth century? What kind of behaviors? What kind of mode of dress? How did they pray? I mean, you don't intuit it, you read about it. That means that that retrieval itself is deeply structured, deeply discursive. But when you retrieve something like that from a thousand, fourteen hundred years ago, even though the retrieval itself is textual, structural, you offer the retrieved object or concept as authentic. So that's the question of authenticity. In other ways, sometimes uh, it's also used in metropolitan cultures in some form of exoticizing of the other, right? So people will talk about, oh, these are authentic Chinese dishes. These are authentic Indian fabrics. These are authentic Pakistani carpets, Afghan rugs. 
So what they have in mind is this romanticized idea of a culture which might have existed a thousand years ago, but which can still be attributed to those cultures in modernity, right? That's why I put essentialism there is because deep down, then any concept of the authentic or any claims to authenticity then assume a certain kind of essentialism. And what is essentialism? That there are essences to things, just as we as human beings in that Cartesian sense might have an essence in reason, um, that cultures have their essences. And in most of the times, essence is the irreducible part of any object, right? So if we assume that cultures have essences, they are essential, they are natural, then we can attribute unchanging qualities to that essence. And that was one of the biggest tool in colonialism because it the discourse of colonialism relied on certain essentialisms, assuming that natives are, are by their nature not trustworthy, they're primitive, they are anti, you know, democracy or whatever. And so when you posit an essence, then you can attribute to the object of that essence uh, that positing certain fixed and unchangeable qualities. So therefore, to me, any claims to a cultural authenticity or individual or collective authenticity are always inextricably linked with essentialism. Now, I have heard people speak about the need for essentialism in post-colonial theory. Uh, they do it interestingly, but I disagree with that because if you posit essences in articulating native acts of agency or identity, then you're also laying yourself open to the others, the Europeans and the Americans essentializing of your culture. So you can't have it both, both ways. You can't have say this is essential Pakistani identity. And then when someone essentializes your culture with attributes that are negative, you can't turn around and say, well, you are imagining a fixed essence of Pakistani people. Now, the question of essentialism in post-colonial studies, uh, you know, actually, uh, got really prominent recognition when Spivak, Gayatri Spivak, in one of her interviews talked about strategic essentialism. Now remember, she actually in her later work has, has constantly refuted any claims to an existing permanent essentialist stance in post-colonial theory. But what she argued was that at some point, if you are arguing against the colonial powers, your argument can employ sometimes a strategic essentialism. It can Im imagine a monolithic nation, maybe these are not Spivak's words, or a culture, Indian culture, Pakistani culture, Egyptian culture. So that's the strategic use of essentialism, but it should be done with the knowledge that it is a strategic use, right? Uh, and going from there, if you look at all post-colonial movements, in most of the cases, the resistant post-colonial mo movements used a certain kind of essentialism. They imagined their own past, most often in fixed terms. They retrieved it, and then they said, this is 
who we are as people. And this is why we are different from our colonizers and hence we need our own freedom. But there are problems with that as well, because when you invoke an essence in a nationalist movement, that essence then comes to haunt you. For example, the Algerian freedom movement, about two million people died in it. And it invoked in certain Islamist terms what constitutes a male identity, what constitutes a female identity. And since the national movement was based in that, even though the major parties were leftists, you know, 30 years later, when they go to the polls, the essence of the nation that was posited as deeply Islamic and fixed in this Islamic interpretation of collective selves, that repressed part of the national essentialist imagining comes to haunt the nation. So um, the problems then are when you invoke a certain kind of cultural essence or collective essence or individual essence to forward a claim, a counterclaim to colonizers, bear in mind, first of all, to check whether or not that essential claim about your culture was created by the colonizers. Also keep in mind that when you argue in essentialist terms, the counter-arguments that already posit certain essences in the post-colonial cultures will also come into play. That's why people like Said, Spivak, and others constantly talk about constructiveness of history, discursiveness of history, because what they are trying to challenge in colonial discourse is the idea of essential attributions of trait unchanging historical essences to the colonized cultures. Similarly, authenticity, Chin Wei Zhu has a wonderful essay chapter in his book, Decolonizing the African Mind, where he talks about a kind of a strategic essentialism because what he's saying is that in order to retrieve a pure African identity, African nations must jettison their Arab influence, their Muslim influence, and then their European influences. And then through a so-called cultural act of cleansing, retrieve purely African cultural histories, African cultural norms. But even Chen Weizhou doesn't want to go and retrieve an ossified African essence. He also in the same chapter argues that this retrieval is meant to cleanse Africa of the foreign influences, but the retrieval must then create African nations which are consistent with modernity, right? They might go and retrieve their own modes of production, their own ways of doing things, but they can't be anti-modern or pre-modern. They have to do that as modern industrialized nations. So that's one form of essentialist retrieval of an authentic culture, authentic history. But as I said, both are problematic terms. So to conclude, essentialism was employed by the colonizers to assign certain fixed negative attributes to the native cultures and the natives. Essentialism was then also strategically mobilized by the natives themselves to posit a certain idea of their own historical existence and their politics, right? And essentialism even now is used at both ends of the global divide. 
you know, the North Atlantic region, people from there would still attribute certain essential traits to people on the so-called periphery. And then people within the post-colonial nations also go and retrieve certain cultural essences and try to articulate that this is what it means to be a Pakistani. This is what and the, the, the entire movement right now in India is a movement of those kind of essences to go and retrieve an authentic Hindu identity. The thing to keep in mind is that whatever is retrieved is not natural, is discursive, but is assumed to be essential and authentic, right? And so use both the terms with these caveats in mind, that they are not stable terms, and both of the terms can has been have been used against the colonized people by the colonizers. And if not carefully used can um, you know harm your own scholarly and cultural arguments within the larger debates of culture and politics so these are some of my words on essentialism and authenticity if you have any questions feel free to post them in the comment section and if you you know like this uh, please uh, uh, as i said subscribe to the channel and come back again. And until then, thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.